0: Come back in. But they open it up pretty quick. That you can some places that are shut for like a year or two. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, it was good to meet you, Jeff. So, my name is Jonathan Lonneville, and I'm the lead pastor here at Family Life Church. Uh, but I actually won't be sharing today. <laughs> today, we have an awesome privilege. We have uh, some missionaries that we support in Africa that happen to be with us this morning, and that's Jonathan and Danny Bowden. And they're going to be here today, and they're going to share with us. So, we just want to invite you guys to come and share what the awesome. Lord put on your guys' heart. Would you guys welcome them?
1: <laughs> Yo, uh,
2: Greetings. Did you rest well?
1: How's
2: the weather been? Cold, hot? It's been everything, <laughs> cold, wet. <laughs>
1: We want to
2: greet you in the Hausa language.
1: It is
2: the heart language of the people of Niger.
1: They
2: also asked us to send their thanks for how you've been praying for them the and, the and supporting going them. Thank you so much.
1: We've also brought many testimonies
2: about what the Lord is doing in Niger.
1: May the
2: Lord bless you. <laughs> it is so great to be with you this morning. It's also great to see all the staff. Hi, staff. Can you raise your hand if you're with the staff? Wow, you guys like a third of the church there. And, it, and and one thing I love about coming here is seeing all your children, all the young people. You guys get like the cutest kid church award. Like, I mean, seriously, I'm like, they're all so cute, but it's really fun to be in a church that has so much life, and may the Lord continue to bless you in that as you uh, reach out to your community, but we're truly, truly excited to be here this morning. I'm going to pass this over to John, and he's got some pictures to show you. Um, yeah, so thanks.
1: Yeah, family life is wonderful to be with you. It's been a couple of years, and a lot's happened, in our lives, um, we have another child. Uh, <laughs> 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 and there's a pretty awesome story to that. We thought we were done with four, and then a couple years ago, the Lord was like, I have another one if you're willing, you know, if you're willing. And we had to pray about if we're willing. And we were. And so um, we have a wonderful baby girl. Her name is Rhema Hope. The name comes from Matthew 4.4. 4. Man should not live by bread alone, but every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. And, you know, in our life, we just look back over the... The years, and we just see that whenever we've heard the Lord's voice and surrendered to His will, He's always brought life and hope into our life, into our family, our ministry. And this Rhema has just brought great joy to us and to everyone in Nigeria and Africa, here in the States. She just brought a great season of hope and joy to all of us. We just love her to pieces. So, anyway, we wanted to let you know that there she is, right in the middle, and she's like that. She likes to be in the middle of everything. She just turned one a couple months ago, and it's amazing. She's starting to talk already. She runs up to Isaiah and Anna every morning and gives them hugs and all that. It's just it's cool. <laughs> so like Danny said, we love coming to Family Life because you believe in the next generation, the younger generation that's coming up, and the church is full of youth and children. And there's a proverb in Hausa, the Hausa language, that says, Yara gobe. It is, the children are our tomorrow. So... We have a great future, don't we? Just look around for a second. I mean, we have an awesome future, church, and it's the next generation. So, we have a few testimonies we want to share with you from the last nine months over in West Africa, um, and then just something the Lord's put on our heart, specifically speaking about the importance of this next generation. And that God has a great plan for them. And just at the end, just spending some time praying for them, especially the staff and those who are serving at Camp Judah. So just to go over some of the testimonies from the last nine months, um, you can do the next picture. Is, uh, this is a 1040 window. So some of you might not be aware of where we live in the world, but it's within the 1040 window, which represents the most unreached people groups in the world today. You know, as we travel through the States, we've been trying to raise awareness that not everywhere outside the States is a mission field anymore. There's many places outside of America that are reached, actually probably have more Christians in them than we do now in America. So um, we've just been trying to raise awareness that um, I think Joshua Project says 90% of church teams, resources, prayer support, and missionaries are going to the areas on the map here that are green Only 10% are going to the red zones, which are actually, all of them are less than 2% Christian, and they need outside help. Uh, Missionaries come in to mobilize with a team of national pastors on the ground to see the gospel reach that nation. So be praying for the 1040 window, and continue to lift those who are up uh, there, and um, we'd love to have a team at some point from Family Life come over to visit us. Pastor John, we'd love to have you guys. Pastor Ben. Um, So yeah, the next picture is this is where we actually live. It's Northwest Africa. It's called Niger. English pronunciation could be Niger. It's about three times the size of Texas. It's a huge nation, uh, 26 million people. 50% of the population is under the age of 15. So, you know, in a Muslim family unit, four wives. Many of the wives are just around 15, 16 years old. And um, the average birth rate right now is 7.8 children per lady in Niger. So 7.8 times 4, 20 to 30 kids in each family unit, and every 13 to 15 years is another whole generation. So we've been in Niger for the last 13 years. Since that time, the nation has grown, has doubled. Yeah, so that's the great need, the great prayer point, is the Lord raised up more missionaries, more laborers to come reach the youth, the next generation for Christ. There's just so much that can be done. Okay, next picture. So we're part of a discipleship and church planting movement called Via Bindant, which is French for abundant life. It comes from John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it more. So that's the name of the ministry that we're a part of. And it's a big team on the ground made up of missionaries from Nigeria. Uh, mostly made up from uh, pastors from Niger, and there's a few from the States. So a big team on the ground in Niger reaching out to unreached areas. So the next couple pictures will show you our team. These are the pastors that we work with. Most of them are in their 20s. These are young pastors that have been through our Bible school. They've been trained. They've been sent out to plant churches. And I just love the fact that when, when God is moving and working, you know, he needs laborers, and he doesn't put an age limit on the laborers, right? He'll use anyone who's yielded to him. So we have a big group of pastors now who are in their 20s and they're out there planting churches in unreached areas and God's using them, healings, miracles, signs and wonders. Many people are getting saved. And these are are the guys. So keep praying for them and God continues to bless them. Um, This is a couple pastors that graduated in December from our Bible school. I'm the director of the Bible school. I work with a great team of volunteer pastors to help disciple and train up these new leaders. These guys are extra special because they're the first pastors from the Fulani people group, which are the first pastors since we started to work in this unreached people group in Niger. So they were brand new Christians five years ago. They came to discipleship school. They went back to be mentored with their local pastor. They came back last year to, in our leadership school. And since December, they've been out pastoring, and they're reaching unreached people in the Fulani uh, people group in Niger. And um, this summer, even while we're in the States, I've had one of my pastor friends call me up and he said that Usman on the left there, he said that he's already led eight households to the Lord from his people group. Isn't that awesome? So next picture. Yep, so that's the Bible school and some of the students that we graduated in December. Uh, so the men's dormitory is on the top, classroom, the women's dormitory is on the bottom. We have some married student housing on the ground level. So next picture is, these are the current discipleship students. Most of them are brand new Christians. I'll tell you a couple of testimonies. One of them is Samuel. In the house of language, his name is Sema'ila. Can you say that with me? Sama'ilah, good job. And he grew up completely Muslim area, never heard the gospel a couple years ago. He heard the gospel for the first time, met a Christian who became a friend. He gave his life to Jesus and he began to have a reoccurring dream every night. And we hear this a lot in Nigeria because Muslims believe that God will speak to them through dreams and visions. So almost every Christian that I know Uh, Who was a former Muslim? The Lord used dreams to speak to them, and so he had a reoccurring dream every night, and it was about him standing in front of people with bread. He was breaking the bread and giving it to all these people around him, and he kept having this dream over and over. He's like, "What is going on?" So he went to his Christian friend and said, "What do I need to do? What's up with this dream?" And he was like, "God's speaking to you that He wants you to to prepare to give the bread of life to people—the gospel." And um, he was like, wow, well, how do I do that? And at the same time, his former Muslim leader, who they call him an imam, a Muslim leader of the local mosque, he came to Sama'ilah, Samuel, and he said, why have you left doing the Salah, the Muslim prayers, five times a day? And, and uh, Samuel was like, well, it's because I gave my life to Jesus, I'm a Christian. And the, his, Muslim, his former Muslim leader said, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? And Samuel was like, I have no idea because <laughs> he, he hadn't read the Bible. He had just, become, he'd just gotten saved. and So between those two things, he realized he needed to go somewhere to find out what it is to be a follower of Jesus. So he came to our Bible school this year, and after just a couple months, he stood up in front of the classroom of all these students, and he said to all of us, he was like, I'm ready right now to go back to my village and I'm ready to share the gospel and give the bread of life to those around me because I understand what Jesus did for me and I'm a follower of him and I'm ready to even go back to my Muslim leader, my former Muslim leader, and share the gospel with him. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. Another one is a young lady, her name is Nana, and she grew up in another area, completely unreached, never seen the Jesus film, and last year um, the Jesus film was shown in her village for the first time. She decided of everyone to follow Christ persecution happened, our friend's pushed her away, persecuted her. She couldn't get medical help, any uh, food from uh, when she was hungry. But it was a planting season. So she, she planted her fields in faith. The Lord blessed her fields. And at the end of the couple months last summer, she got the biggest crop, the biggest harvest in the whole area. And there were all these fam- friends of hers, Muslim friends, that kept coming to her and saying, what did you do to get such a big harvest from your fields? And she said, in front of the whole Bible school, she, just, she went like this, I just tell them it's Jesus! <laughs> So isn't that cool? Yeah. God is working and drawing many to him, and uh, thank you for your prayers, for your support that helps give these students new Christians scholarships to come to the Bible school, helps us be able to send them out to plant new churches. And so there's a few more pictures here at the end. Just want to mention this is our evening Bible school graduation, a two-year course. Danny and I on the graduation day in January. then the next uh, picture. Is uh, the hot season. It gets hot in Niger up to 120 degrees. So we cut one of our old water tanks in half, and uh, our kids like to go in that. That's their pool. And then the next picture we have uh, Rayma Hope's pool. <laughs> so we just plunk her down in there on those hot days, and she loves it. So <laughs> Next picture, just to wrap it up here. So anyway, the Lord's building his church in Niger. Thank you for your prayers and for your support. And uh, it's pretty cool what God's doing. And we believe that someday, Lord willing, soon we'll see a team come from family life to come on over and invest in some of these young people in Niger. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Be praying for us, for more workers within Niger, more national Christians who want to come to the leadership school to be sent out to plant new churches, and also pray for some more missionaries. We've been going around the states just asking for people to pray and say, hey, if they have a desire to be involved in missions, they want to come and serve, do an internship, come visit us for a couple months. We have a guest house attached to our home in Niger. We'd love to have you come, just do a scouting trip. I'd love to have some more workers for the harvest in Niger. 26 million people, about 1% Christian, 99% still waiting to hear the gospel for the first time. Over 50% of that number is under the age of 15. So um, I just want to read the scripture. So I think it's on the slide, the last one here, is a chosen generation. And I'd like to do something, um, before we read this, I want to pray, but then I'd like us to read it together. Uh, because this morning, we just want to men- talk briefly about how the Lord is always preparing the next generation to be an answer to that generation's uh, challenges. The giants of that generation, the Lord's putting in His, uh, His presence, His glory, and the younger generation to meet the challenges in that generation. And um, I just love this passage of Scripture. But before we read it, let's just pray and, and ask the Lord to just come and to just speak to us this morning. So Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for Family Life Church, um, the leadership, the, the whole church here, Lord, that just loves you and that's reaching the younger generation and, and empowering them. Not just reaching them, but empowering them and investing into them to see them rise up strong in their faith and able to... Uh, go boldly into the promised land that you're calling in their generation. And so, Lord, we just ask you continue the blessing upon the church here, and we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing uh, in this place. And for this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you'd speak to us, that you'd continue to help us to realize that the children you've given to us as parents or the friends that we know who have younger ones or the next generation, that it's so important that we have your heart for the next generation because you are raising them up to make, do mighty things, mighty exploits in your name. And they need to have a generation um, a little bit older than, than them who's championing them, who's behind them, who's supporting them, who's encouraging them. So just ask for this morning that you encourage us from your word that, um, that there's a chosen generation that you are raising up around the world today to meet the giants of this next generation head on and to slay them in the name of Jesus, to see your glory and your name uh, be glorified in the nations. We thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's read this together. Let's try this. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And I'd like to read this together. We'll do it a little bit slowly so that we can all kind of try to do it at once at the same time. So we'll see how good we're I do this in the Bible school in Africa. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So <laughs> we'll see. One, two, three. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, a chosen generation. Say to someone close to you, you are a chosen generation. (laughs) And if you want to, you can say, you're special. (laughs) It says it in the Bible, his own special people. Well, don't have too much fun with that. (laughs) But you are special. God has called us, his chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. We may proclaim the praises of Jesus, the one who took us from the bonds of fear and death depression, anxiety, he's freed us because we're now his kids, we're his children, his sons and daughters, and I just love the worship this morning, feeling God's presence, that he set us free, amen? Amen. We have been set free. So this morning, I just want to just briefly share something about a chosen generation, and along with that, I was just realizing lately that in the Old Testament, New Testament, each generation has had giants, right? There have been big issues in each generation. But the Lord has always planted his word, his glory, his presence in each generation to face the current issues of that generation. For example, when there was going to be a famine in the whole world, the Lord provided a Joseph. When the Israelites were in exile in Egypt, the Lord provided a Moses. When the Israelites were taken into exile to Babylon, the Lord provided a Daniel. When there wasn't anyone willing to fight and stand up, especially among the men, the Lord provided a Deboah. When, uh, when the Jewish nation was going to be just um, completely massacred, the Lord provided an Esther for such a time as this. So if you look through the course of history, there's always been a Daniel, a David, a Joshua, a Caleb, a Moses. There's been a Paul, a Peter, a Barnabas, someone that God has raised up in that generation to bring God's glory and to see his presence fill the ends of the earth in that current generation. Um, I love Keith Green has a quote that says that each generation of Christians is responsible for that generation of souls. And I think that's really important to realize that um, the Lord has given his church, the bride of Christ, you and I, the ones that love Jesus, he's deposited into us because of his grace what we need to see his kingdom come, his will be done in the current generation that we live in. And it's so important to realize that the Bible says from glory to glory. So he's the God of Abraham, Isaac. It's not just Abraham. It's Abraham, Isaac, and it continues to us. It's going to continue to our kids, our kids' kids, until the Lord comes back. And the Lord's perspective is that it grows. The legacy, the heritage, his presence grows from generation to generation. As the waters cover the uh, sea, he wants to, his glory cover the earth. And it's his children, the ones who know him, that are around the world being engaged and activated in his kingdom to see it come. His will be done in that generation. So there are Davids, there are Esther's, there are Deborah's, there are Joseph's, there are Paul's, there are Peter's right here today with us. Amen? You guys are that generation. You are coming up to go into the promised land. Um, You know, as we travel a lot uh, in the States, uh, we've been realizing that the level of anxiety, depression, even the young people looking at the future has really gone up. And I feel like that's so unfortunate because in the kingdom perspective, in the Lord's perspective, each generation is to grow and more glory, more presence, more seeing his kingdom come, his will be done. Amen? And the enemy is afraid of the next generation. He's afraid of you guys. He's afraid of the next generation because he knows what God has put into the next generation, what God has put into them is what this generation needs to see His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why, you know, the, you just see all around the world. I mean, in Niger, we have our own issues, in America, and stuff. So you have all these different things that come up that try to prevent the next generation from even coming. Why? Because the enemy knows what's in the next generation. There are Davids that are going to slay Goliath. There are Esthers that are going to intercede on behalf of the, the, the different people groups and tribes that haven't heard yet. There are Pauls that are going to be some of the greatest missionaries that have yet to be seen, who are currently either um, extremists or they're persecuting the church. God has seated in his will into the next generation, and the enemy wants to stop that. Remember Moses? Tried to just kill all the ones around his age because... The enemy knew there was going to be a Moses, but God had his way, and Moses came. Amen? Remember with Jesus. I love the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, he came into human history, into the generation he was planted in, and when he was first born, remember what happened? King Harry tried to kill all the, the age of two and under, because the enemy knew something is happening in this generation. So it's just the same thing we've seen over and over in history, that God has his plan and purposes seeded in to the next generation. And it's so important for us as the bride of Christ to recognize that and to speak that over our kids and our kids' kids, over the youth and the children at Camp Judah. It's a great opportunity to just speak God's purpose. You are chosen. You are chosen generation. You are special. You're unique. God has a plan for your life. You are a David, you are an Esther, you're a Deborah, you're a Joshua, you're a Joseph in this generation. And we need you. We need that generation to rise up. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> in Numbers, we don't have to turn there because of time, unless you want to, but in Numbers chapter uh, 13 and 14, it talks about how. God told Moses to send out some spies into the promised land. He said, pick some leaders. You know, I used to think these leaders were really old until I realized that Caleb was 40 years old. <laughs> that used to look old. That's the new young. <laughs> and uh, all these leaders who were supposed to be the head of these tribes, the most experienced, the most you know, ready to go into the land and take it, they were going to be sent out to, look into the, to spy out the promised land. So they had a certain number of days they went, and they're going to spy out to see the, 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 if the food was good, if the land was good, if there was resistance. But what God told Moses to tell the leaders, he said, go and look at the land that I am giving you. He didn't say, go look at the land and, and check out whether or not I might give it to you. In Numbers um, chapter 13, verse 2, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. The Lord spoke to Moses, which I am giving to the children of Israel. So the Lord put his presence, he put himself behind that word saying, go for it. And as you go for it, I'm giving you this land. So we know the story. They came back and and there was 12 and 10 of them were afraid. They said, yes, the food is great and there's milk and honey and yes, all that good stuff. But there's giants. And the people began to murmur and complain, the Israelites who were hearing the report. And Caleb stood up in front of him quickly because he knew the tide was turning. He was like, Hey, wait, wait. Quiet down. Let us go up at once. We're able to take possession of it because the Lord is with us. But the other men gave a bad report. They said, These giants, we felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes. How many of us, once in a while, even with cultural issues, the things that we go looking ahead to the future, sometimes we feel like a grasshopper? What can I do? What, What can I really do to impact what's happening around me? Well, the question is it's not what we can do, it's what God can do in and through us. He's with us. And that's what he told Caleb. And Caleb was like, I don't know much. I'm not much of anything. But if God says he's with us, I'm going to take him at face value. What he said is true. And I'm just going to, con- I'm going to say it and I'm going to go with it. And God blessed Caleb. And um, in chapter 14, the Israelites cried out and said, why can't we go back to Egypt? Our wives and children are going to become victims Caleb once again said, The Lord delights in us. He will bring us into this land. Their dep- protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Don't fear the giants of this current generation. Our children will become victims. So many times nowadays, even when we had our last one, our fifth, Rayma hope We had different people saying, Aren't you guys scared to have another child? I'm like, No. This is what this generation needs: is more godly children raised up to be the answer to the giants in this next generation. This is not a time to live in fear. Oh, what's going to happen? Well, we know what's going to happen. We have the book. It says we're going to be with the Lord, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, forever and ever, from every tribe, people, and nation. Amen. We know the end, we don't know from here to there all that well, but we know who's with us, who's guiding us, and we know that he wants his kingdom to come, his will to be done in our present situations until he comes back and we rule and we reign with him forever and ever. Amen. So, for anyone here who's not sure if they should have more kids, go for it. (laughs) It's awesome. There's a Joshua, an Esther, a Moses coming down in the future. And don't stop it because of unbelief. (laughs) God is with you. And if you're on staff at Camp Judah, God is with you. Pour that into the next generation. Tell them God is with you. Yes, your generation has all these major issues. There is anxiety. There is depression. All this stuff. But it's because they don't know that God is with them. They don't know the Lord. If they did, they'd be like Caleb and Joshua saying, yes, there's big giants. Yes, there's issues. Of course there's issues. There's always been issues. Until the Lord comes back, there will be issues. And if you read the book of Revelation, the issues get a bit bigger as time goes on. But the Lord is with us. And it says there's a great harvest, the end-time harvest. And it's because of the shaking around the earth. And I believe that we're in that season right now of the shaking. But it's going to pour a greater harvest into the kingdom of God as a result. And as the body of Christ, the Lord is looking for those who have the Joshua, the Caleb spirit to rise up. And to say, I'm not afraid. I'm going in to the promised land. God um, said to, about Caleb, he said, my servant Caleb, he has a different spirit. I will bring into the land where he went. His descendants shall inherit it. And your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in to the promised land. They shall know the land which you have despised. See, the, the question isn't about the next generation going in the promised land. They're going there. The question is, are we going to go with them? I love how Caleb and Joshua, it wasn't because of their faith that they led the next generation in, though in some ways it was, it was more about the fact that they got the opportunity to go with the next generation into the promised land. And um, I want to be one of those that's like a Caleb and Joshua going in with the next generation to see God's glory cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Amen? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be telling my kids, like, oh, things look so rough. I don't know how you're going to make it. And my day was hard enough, but you guys, wow, it's really pretty hopeless. No! No! I want to be telling them, hey, this is the greatest time to be alive, to serve King Jesus. This is a great time to display the light that he has given to us, that his kingdom come, his will be done. Um, Isaiah and Anna, Grace, Michaela, Rama, all you guys at staff at Camp Judah, the younger generation, the children, the babies, you know God has called you for this purpose, to be going into the promised land, to see his glory come, to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea, and you guys are going to get to experience it. And the real question is, for those of us who are a little bit older now, are we going to go in with them? Are we going to open it up so that they can go? Because there's an anointing on them. There's a faith inside of them. And the Lord wants the Calebs and Joshuas to start to speak that over them and to see it enacted and activated so that they can rise up and have that pathway open so that they can go and be all that God has created them to be and to do all that God's called them to do. I am really excited about the future. I'm excited about the next few years. I'm excited about seeing our kids grow up and launched out into the harvest. Um, It's just so awesome. There are Davids, Esthers, Deboahs, Joshuas, Pauls, Peters that are being raised up right now. Before we pray, I want like I mentioned, we want to pray for the staff and for the next generation this morning. And that can be, you know, my age and down or over. It doesn't matter. Each generation has that calling to see God's glory manifested in that generation. But we want to specifically pray for all those involved in Camp Judah, no matter the age. And we're going to have you stand up at the end just pray for you. But before we do that, I want to just take a few minutes and do an example of something that happened in Nigeria in 2015. It was a time when there was a lot of church burnings and a lot of persecution. And the Lord used the youth in Niger, And there's not a lot of Christian youth, but he used the ones who were there to do a remarkable thing. And I just want to kind of use it as an example. So could I have 10 10 youth between the ages of 10 and 18? Volunteer, just come on up. And could I have two that are a little bit older? It could be like, you know, 30s, 40s, or even 20s. It's fine. Just two. Okay, come on up. (laughs) And... Okay, I just want you guys to stay in a line. Just a line, doesn't have to be fancy. And I'll tell you what you guys are going to be doing. It's just, okay, come on over here. Join the line. Okay, so in 2015, we have a big church compound where you saw the Bible school on the picture today, right? There's a big church, there's, uh, there's a bunch of Christian youth, there are the, the Bible school, there's different housing for different ones, so we have a big compound, probably about the size of the church land right here, and all this land, we have a big wall that goes around it, we do a lot of our children's camps and things like that. So in 2015, there was a big time of persecution, um, And uh, some of the Muslim youth are getting all riled up to go out and burn churches. So they came to our church, Via Bandant, and there's a crowd of, they estimate, between 500 to 1,000. And inside the compound at that point was only 10 youth and two young pastors. 12 people, this big compound, because it happened pretty quick. They came to demonstrate, they wanted to get in and burn the church, burn the Bible school, we called them, we said, hey, you guys can leave. But they said, no, we're making a stand. And there's this big, we have a big door, actually about the size of what you guys just did right here. The door is about the same width as you guys. And what you guys can do now is just go like this. Okay, there we go. So there was this big door, and outside there's a crowd of 500 to 1,000 that are trying to get in. And there's a door that just opens like a big gate that opens up like this and one bar. But the bar was not going to hold the weight of 500 to 1,000 people pushing against it. So these youth and the two pastors stood like this for four or five hours. And some of the youth outside, trying to get into the church to burn it, started to throw stones at them. Some of our friends, the youth, like Cephas, is there, they had actual gashes of bleeding on their legs because stones were being thrown on the outside to try to get them from stopping pushing on the gate. They stood their ground for four or five hours. They couldn't go to the bathroom. They couldn't eat a snack. They couldn't drink any water. And at the end of the four or five hours, one of our head pastors had been pleading at the police station to have a force come out and help them. So at the end of the four or five hours, the police finally sent a detachment. And it helped disperse the crowd. And there's a pile of stones that were thrown at these youth that was about this tall and around as, as much as this. And the youth afterwards... After they held it, they cleaned up the ground and they put a memorial on the church land. It's there to this day, a memorial of stones. And the whole plan was the Muslim youth were going to hit via Benat first, then they were going to go down the road. There's a few other churches, different denominations. They were just going to burn out all the churches in the whole city in one day. But they couldn't get past these guys. These 12, 10 youth, two pastors stood against up to 1,000 people. Now that's not natural, is it? I probably would have been jumping over the wall. Let them burn the church. We can build another church. But for them, I talked to one of our pastor friends. He said, you know what? If we do that, they'll just do it again. We have to take a stand. They'll think that we don't really believe, we're, that we really know who we are, that we're really Christians. They'll just think that we're just being frivolous with our faith and the Christianity is from the West or you know, something like that. But if we are willing to lay down our life and we take a stand, they'll respect that and they'll back off. So they stood. The day after that, the Muslim leaders We were approached by these uh, two pastors in a delegation from the church, and they publicly forgave the Muslim youth who had done this. And the imams and Muslim leaders in that whole area said, we have never seen anyone like the Christians. The way that they stood for their faith, willing to risk their life, and then the way that they forgave us. They said, the church is Nigerian. It's not foreign. The church, our neighbors, our friends, they are believers. And from that point on, we've been seeing revival in Nigeria. We're seeing more people getting saved, more churches planted. Because the church is alive and well. And God is seated in his purposes in that next generation, the youth. That's becoming evident as they go forward and they move God's glory into that generation. Amen? Thank you, guys. Let's give them a big hand. <laughs> so God is calling each generation to work together. To see his glory come, his kingdom done. On earth as it is in heaven. It's supposed to go from glory to glory. It's supposed to get better and better until the Lord comes back, the weight of His glory, His presence. So this morning we just like to have uh, the Camp Judah staff, and even if we have any campers, just go ahead and stand up. And um, we're just going to pray for you, as you know. I know Family Life has done so much for Camp Judah. There's other churches partnering, but you guys are like. You're the core, and you've just done so much to be able to help this happen every year, and we're so thankful for that. But this is an opportunity for us now, the ones who are not in staff, the ones who aren't going to be up here this next week. This is an opportunity for us now to pray and to send, to launch out the, uh, this generation who's going to go and minister to the next generation. The Esthers, the Boas, the Joshuas, the Josephs, the Davids, the Moseses, <laughs> the Pauls, the Peters. God has a plan on your life. You are called. You are chosen. He wants to use you to do mighty things for his kingdom. He's just looking for yielded vessels. Like Caleb and Joshua, it wasn't about who they were. Their fighting skill is all about the Lord is with us. The Lord is with you. And he's with this next generation. So I'd like to ask everyone else if you'd, if you'd um, just raise your hands. and um, Or just, just point it towards... This, these guys, and we're just going to pray just as a whole corporate body. Let's just pray God's blessing, His presence, His strength. We know it, it is draining. To minister to the next generation, it can be draining. It's investment. And yet, that is what we're called to do as a church because the youth are the future. They are the next generation. They're going to be carrying the torch of the fire of God's presence around the globe. And we need to be partnering with them. We need to be the Caleb and the Joshua generation that, by faith, speaks God's purpose into that generation. So let's just begin to pray over them right now and to just bless them. Father, we thank you for junior Uh, for junior camp, senior camp. We thank you for Camp Judah. We thank you for all the the ones who have yielded. There's ones who are older, there's ones who are younger, but they're each part of a generation. And you have called us a chosen generation. We're your special people. You've called the bride of Christ to be a light on the hill, a light in the darkness. And Lord, we know that it's pretty dark in the world around us, but Lord, you're calling us to shine brighter than we've ever shown before. You're calling us to be full of your presence and anointing, and to reach this next generation for you. I just pray Lord for a fire from heaven to come upon Camp Judah this week. We pray for a fire from heaven to activate this next generation. I pray for the staff that you give them great wisdom and discernment that there would be ones that can encourage the younger ones, that they would be able to tell those who have addictions, who have depression and anxiety to say to them that you don't have to live like that. God is calling you to be a Moses, a Joshua, a David, a Caleb. God is calling you. He has his hand on your life. In the name of Jesus, there's breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, victory. Not only for you, but God is calling you to reach this next generation. So Lord, we just pray for your calling even at Camp Judah. That you call those who are going to be involved in um, helping to establish your kingdom on earth. That you call each one, that they would feel a confirmation of their calling. Or that that you would actually... um, call them in a way that they could understand that you're calling, that you have a plan for their life, that there would not be one youth that would go from Camp Judah, that they would not know, they would not feel your grip on them, that you have them in the palm of your hand, that you have a purpose for them, you have a plan for them, and that you want them to be a giant slayer for your kingdom. Father, we bless the staff, we bless all those campers, all those who are here, and we thank you. We can see your hand upon them. And we agree, like Caleb and Joshua, Lord, because you're with us, because you're with them, the giants are nothing. We don't have to be afraid. You're calling this generation to rise up in boldness, the 10 of the 12, to make a stand against the many, and in the midst of that, help the many have an opportunity to come to know you and to also be a part of that chosen generation that's activating and seeing your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Father, and we bless you. Amen.
3: Amen. You guys just can stay standing for a second. I just want to say something to you as staff and as a church. Um, God is going to use you to speak life this week. Mm. I don't care if this is your first camp. I don't care if it's your first time being on staff. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you got saved yesterday. Look at me right now, say to you, God is going to use you to speak life into people. You need to open your mouth. You're going to find yourself in situations that you feel over your head. That's okay because God knew it was coming before you did. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when uh, God wants us to speak something, he gives us the first little bit and asks us to just start talking and take that step and he fills in the rest as we go. So have faith that God is going to use you because he is going to use you to speak life I'm telling you, some of you are going to speak life to kids who are on the edge of suicide. Mm. God is going to use you to speak life this week. Don't disqualify yourself because of whatever maybe happened last week, last year, yesterday, this morning. You are not disqualified. When you step into a line with what God has called you to, walk in his Mm. forgiveness, walk in his goodness. And his hope and speak it out. And I want to ask the rest of us as a church, this week is a big week. Camp Judah is a part of our DNA. It's been part of uh, what uh, we've done for many, many years. And anyone who has ever been up here and spoken or led worship has had a life-changing moment at Camp Judah. There's something about getting away from your friends and your phones and the circles. And when you have the opportunity to meet God day after day, God does something. And my life has been deeply changed from Camp Tutor. Pastor Jonathan, Ben, uh, April, uh, anyone you've, you've seen up here, our lives have been changed at Camp Tutor. So I'm going to ask you as a church body, pray this week, every day as you think of it. Pray for the staff. Pray for the leadership. Pray for the kids that come in, that they would have an encounter with God that would change their life. It would be a life-altering moment. They would hear the voice of God tell them that they're loved. They would hear the Father speak love to them. They would hear, I'm calling you to be a missionary. I'm calling you to be a pastor. I'm calling you to be a businessman. I'm calling you to be a teacher. Hmm. It's going to happen this week. So let's as a church body, I just want to encourage you, challenge you, pray for Camp Judah this week that God would do incredible things, that the power of God would fall and change lives. Hmm. Amen. Amen.
0: Awesome. I think uh, you guys can grab a seat. I think it's actually, I think this year is 29 years that our church has been involved in Camp Judah, which is pretty cool. It's a lot of people whose lives have been impacted for the kingdom of God. And what an awesome privilege to be able to hear from the Bowdens about all that God is doing in their ministry. And I feel like it's (laughs) such a privilege that we get to partner with them. It's a privilege that God has given us the opportunity to partner with them. So thank you guys for your faithfulness and all that you guys are doing, and we bless you guys. And uh, thanks for bringing your kids to camp, too. They're going to be a blessing there. So have a blessed week, and we will see you guys back here next week. Don't forget to pray for Camp Judah.